if there's a perception that you are not putting the diversity and inclusion theories into play, you're going to suffer from a loss of guests in the future, and you're going to have a harder time recruiting and keeping talent. Welcome to Quality in Politics. I'm your host, Andrew Ridgey, and today I am with Carolyn D. Richmond, who is the chair of the Hospitality Practice Group at the law firm of Fox Rothschild. She is also employment counsel to the New York City Hospitality Alliance. Hello, Carolyn. Hey, Andrew. You never forget my uh, D, and I appreciate that. So let's just jump right into it. Obviously, coronavirus has just uh, created a crisis throughout society, and the restaurant industry, the hospitality industry, has really been at the center of this crisis in so many ways. And because we are a very labor-intensive industry, uh, labor employment issues um, are so front and center in the minds of restaurant and bar and nightclub owners these days. Um, So what do you think three of the top labor-related issues are that business owners really need to stay focused on, and what should they be doing to help limit their liability? Sure. I mean, I've been practicing or studying the workplace for almost 35 years, almost. And this really, it's not a cliche to say that this is unprecedented times. The the speed that things are changing, the speed at which new issues are emerging um, is just unprecedented. And I think there's a lot for every employer to pay attention to. Uh, particularly now, the hospitality industry, which, as everyone knows, was already you know this close to not making a profit, and we've certainly seen plenty of people leave the industry in recent years. Um, this is just it can turn the table for survival either way for someone. So, what are the big issues? The big issues right now, definitely Black Lives Matter for many, many reasons, and I can go back to the Me Too movement almost almost exactly three years ago. Um, we've been seeing a at least a discussion about diversity, inclusion, equality, and rights in the workplace. Um, there were a number of initiatives that started in 2007 and 8 with requiring mandatory harassment training, things like that that started and got a lot of attention but I think the Black Lives Matter movement is really showing that not enough's been addressed at any time or anywhere, and that the issues are far deeper than the majority of employees or employers really tend to uh, pay attention to. And by that, I mean, it's not simply do you do harassment training and anti-racist uh, or inclusion training once a year. It's how are you going to get these principles into your workplace? And it's not just the fear of lawsuits. While I certainly expect there's going to be a, a, a massive increase in discrimination and wage, and wage and hour lawsuits in the coming six months to a year, the bigger issue is the softer ones. Your employee relations, your relations with your customers and guests. If there's a perception that you are not following policies and really putting the diversity and inclusion theories into play, you suffer, you can, you're going to suffer from a loss of guests in the future, and you're going to have a harder time recruiting and keeping talent. And we've heard a lot from employees lately. There have been a, a number of our members who've received what I would only call a demand letter from employees. Usually they're the millennial generation, 
but they're demanding change. They're demanding HR functions, better HR functions, diversity councils or committees. They are demanding access to information like hiring data and statistics. And that's putting a lot of employers on the defensive to really take a look now at what your demographics are and are you just playing, paying lip service or have you been trying to implement microaggression training and implicit and explicit biases? So this is a, an issue we certainly heard from a, a phenomenal panel earlier about Black Lives Matter, um, but this is something we could spend days talking about, if not even longer. But that's the first and foremost issue. The second issue is really going to be the economics and the finances. And when and will we be able to employ? And then how do we make the decisions on who to hire and who not to hire? Unfortunately, it doesn't look like we're going to be able to say, August 1st, we're rehiring 100% and business as usual. And the science just doesn't bear that out. So we need employers to be very cognizant of how you decide who to recall um, and make sure we're not discriminating on age, disability, race, things like that. Um, because I think we're going to have a lot of retaliation claims for failure to recall or rehire. And that's probably the other, the other big risk. Um, same standards. Those plaintiff lawyers are still scurrying around and they're looking for lawsuits. I think we run a risk of um, an increase, if that's even possible to imagine, of more wage and hour claims. And so I'd say this third area would really be wage and hour suits and overtime exemption, misclassification. Um, this was a problem before COVID and before this year, but it was one that I'd say was probably also given lip service uh, or ignored by a lot. Can your managers and sous chefs really be exempt from overtime or should they be hourly and paid overtime? Um, I don't know that this is uniformly um, complied with to the level it should be. And that's an issue that we've been really trying to challenge people to look and use this as an opportunity to reopen with better practices and more risk adverse practices. So you raised earlier about uh, hiring people back in the different protected classes, but what should restaurants do? Because as you mentioned, you know, we don't know when New York City restaurants are going to be able to start uh, offering indoor dining again, what exact percentage it will be before the anticipated July 6th reopening of indoor dining that was scheduled at 50% reduced occupancy. But so it's so much uncertainty of when you're going to be able to reopen what that percentage is going to be. And now just doing takeout delivery and outdoor dining, outdoor dining subject to the elements. So you may have to bring in cooks and servers, but then it's a rainy day and you have to send people home. So how should restaurateurs address scheduling issues in so the COVID world? Most of them should be pretty happy that the fair work week uh, legislation does not apply to them because that's probably the biggest nightmare. Um, those who are subject to, to uh, the Fair Work Week law, certainly here in New York and in other jurisdictions, have a lot of problems as far as scheduling when you don't know if the guests are going to come back, you don't know what the weather is going to be, and penalties are pretty significant. 
assuming that most of our members aren't covered by that yet. I, I think the bigger issues will certainly be how do you make the decision on who to recall? Um, one of the things I know you've heard and I've heard is, well, let's at least try and find some good in this and let's just hire back, you know, our best employees who we know will work. Well, there's nothing in the law that says you can't do that, but there's a lot in the law that says you better be really careful. Um, the safest way to decide who to recall is to use something um, like seniority. And it's relatively neutral, although sometimes there are implications for discrimination in that. But last, uh, or first, fire, first hired <laughs> should be the first recalled. Your last hired probably won't get recalled so quickly. So seniority is certainly the best, but you need to look at seniority. What positions do you need? You may be changing your model and not be putting uh, bussers and runners in right now. So you have to adjust and decide which classifications you need. Are you going to do it on seniority? Are you going to do it on performance, which most restaurants want to do? But the danger of that is if you haven't done performance reviews and you don't have write-ups, um, it may look very subjective. Um, not to say you can't do it, but you should speak to counsel. Uh, you should work with HR and make sure the impact on protected classes like race, religion, gender, national origin, and age are not negatively Im impacted. Um, so that's probably one of the biggest concerns I have. Got it. Like, questions that keep coming up in so many of these conversations is, you know, how is the industry going to be impacted long term and I know every different sector is having these conversations but how do you think not just the restaurant industry but even more specific within the industry how do you think labor if at all will be impacted not immediately but more long term in the city's restaurant industry as it relates to COVID will it be so investing impact or is it just going to be yeah. you know, the situation now and then it gets back to pre-pandemic normal so we can go back and I can certainly go back to 2001 and I can say while at a certain 10,000 feet, it looks like the industry hasn't changed that much between 98 and 2020, although it has, there's no smoking in restaurants. There's a lot, but our approach to the workplace and safety changed astronomically after 9-11. And that was a bigger across the board change as far as background checks, as far as safety and how you set up even uh, pylons in front of your restaurants and security measures. Um, I think you have to look at 2020 through the eyes of COVID and right now Black Lives Matter and see what's going to change. So what do I think is going to change? I think there's going to be a lot more accountability of employers with respect to employee issues, safety, equality. Um, that was building again since 2017 but I don't think we're going to have the same relationship with our employees. Um, we simply can't. There's a generation that's new, as there always is, and they're demanding a seat at the table. They're demanding changes, and we have to address that. Um, the other big change, again, stemming somewhat from Black Lives Matter, too, I think it's going to be social media. The last dozen years, we've had an incredible change in the industry as far as marketing and promotions. But now the use of social media the last month to engage people, to call people out, cancel culture, 
um, that's going to continue to have a growing impact that it's not even just the law you have to worry about. You have to worry about every decision. How is it going to play for your vendors and your guests? And that's certainly going to change. Um, on a more immediate level, we already were at, as I said at the beginning, kind of at the apex of how much more can we take as far as government regulation, rent, expenses. In a certain way, this has provided an opportunity for a lot to take a break and reimagine what their workplace and business will look like. We've certainly seen people um, quickly adapt in many cases to the delivery model. Uh, the ghost kitchen was a big story in the first quarter of 2020, and I think that's going to continue to grow and be really a, a bigger issue. But... You know, there, there's, there's simply a lot that I think is going to look differently. And we're going to get rid of job classifications. We have a very stratified work, uh, workplace now in fine dining, baristas, runners, polishers, bar back. Um, we can just go down the list of runner, busser, server, captain, maitre d', host. We're going to see consolidation. I don't think labor costs can really uh, continue to rise. And I think we're going to see people do more with less. And we're going to see more cross-training. We're going to see more um, crisis with the wage and hour laws and see how they butt heads as you consolidate functions. But that's, to me, probably one of the big direct changes. We're going to have less employees in the workplace. Carolyn, Chair of the Hospitality Practice at the law firm Fox Rothschild. It is always insightful and interesting speaking with you. Thank you for your expertise, and we'll speak soon. Thank you. Thank you so much, Andrew. I'd like to give a big thank you to our guests for coming in. I want to thank everyone for listening to Hospitality and Politics, powered by the New York City Hospitality Alliance. Please rate, review, share this show with anyone you think that would like it. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter at the NYC Alliance. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn, New York City Hospitality Alliance. And I'm your host, Andrew Ridgey, and I'm at Twitter at Andrew Ridgey and Instagram, Political Foodie NYC. Join our movement, support the New York City Hospitality Alliance, find us, the NYCAlliance.org. We'll talk to you next time.